thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning once again. So, it's it's Easter Sunday, a lot of, a lot of tradition and a lot of uh, fun and exciting kind of times for families on, on this particular day. Uh, I, I, I am grateful for kind of a built-in time within our culture, a culture that uh, has become uh, very standoffish to Christian values and very standoffish to Christian beliefs. There, there is still a couple of times a year, Easter being one of them, Christmas being the other, that our society as a whole, uh, maybe for... I hate to use this word, but I think it's just kind of where we've become, where we've come to as a society, not as Christians, but as a society, that they tolerate Christianity a little bit during Easter and during Christmas. Those those are still considered holy holidays to a lot of people. And I'm grateful for that because that gives us the opportunity to maybe share our faith in, in situations and in places that we may not normally get to do that. And with that kind of thought in mind, I've been mulling around all week what to talk about, things to say, things to share this morning. And then I'll, I'll be real with you today. I mean, it's this, this lesson, I had a difficult time bringing this lesson together. I don't know why. Some lessons are just easier to come together than others. And, and this one was, was a challenge for me. Um, but I centered in on this question. Because a lot of people are thinking about Jesus today. They're thinking about the resurrection. They're thinking about what he has done for them in their lives. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. And it's a question that Jesus pretty much asked his, uh, his, his core group of apostles. They had been spending a lot of time together. They had, um, they had this great relationship with one another. And Jesus kind of looks at them one day and goes, Hey, who am I? Do you know who I am? Do you know Jesus? And some of the guys sitting around, and, and we've, we've read this together this morning, some of the guys sitting around go, hey, well, a lot of people are saying that you were this. But he wasn't really concerned with what other people were saying, right? He, he, he didn't care what other people thought. He wanted to know this group of people, this group of men that had spent all this time with him, had they figured out who he was yet? And Peter finally speaks up and goes, hey, I, I figured it out. You're Jesus, the Son of God. And I want to know this morning, I want you to think about this because this is an important question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Now, I think a lot of us are going to jump up and say, well, yeah, I know Jesus. I know who Jesus is. But what I've learned in life is there is a difference in uh, I, I, I'm aware of somebody and I know Somebody. We have, uh, we're very fortunate in the fact that we've hired our new youth minister and his family. They'll be here in a handful of weeks, as we've already kind of talked about this morning a little bit. And uh, a lot of us, because we've spent some time with him, could say, Yeah, I know Jonathan Germany. But how different is it going to be a year from now if someone says, Hey, do you know Jonathan versus do you know him today? And I believe our relationship with Jesus is the same way, that, that it's easy to know Jesus from a distance. It's easy to know Jesus from the pew, if you will, to know the church Jesus, the sermon Jesus, the lesson Jesus. But do you really know, do you have that intimate relationship with 
Jesus. Because if you have this intimate relationship with Jesus, if you really know who he is and he's really a part of your life, then there's going to be some things that happen within your life. There's going to be some things that come about. Knowing Jesus is going to mean something. And that's what I want us to talk about for a few minutes together, is knowing Jesus means what? If I know him, what does that mean for me in my life? Well, the first thing I want us to think about together is this. Knowing Jesus means life. And that sounds kind of simple, and that sounds kind of easy, but knowing Jesus means life. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, in verse 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or maybe your translation says, have it more abundantly. Uh, another translation says, "Has it can have life more and more and more. And I love that idea because I enjoy living life. Do you enjoy living life? There, there are say, Sam gives me a thumbs up. Like he's like, he's, he's going to enjoy it. Life, you know, life is fun to live. We, we enjoy going out and having fun. We enjoy friends. We enjoy relationships. We enjoy, you know, whatever it is, your, whatever it is that your hobby is. Um, you know, I'm watching Sin here lately, his hobby is grandkids. Like, that's your new hobby, right? And, and that's fun, and that's great, and that grand boy is sound asleep right now, and I hope he stays that way. Um, but Jesus says, I've come so that you can not just have life, but you can have it what? To its fullness. To its fullness. You can have it the way that God meant for you to have it. Now, what does that mean? Well, I believe that our world is full of selfishness. Do you agree with that? Our world is full of selfishness. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul's going to address this. All right? Paul's going to address this in Philippians chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, go there with me. Philippians chapter 2. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, Therefore, if I have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any compassion sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then he says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Those are two of my favorite teaching words, I think, of Paul's. Because we all have it within us to be selfish. Would you agree with that? We all have it within us to be selfish. How many of you like things to be your way? Okay, so if a few of you will admit it, the rest of you are lying. I, and I don't mean that in an ugly way, okay? But I mean, if, if it can be your way or someone else's way, we would prefer, I mean, if we had the option, we prefer everything just to be the way that we like it, okay? We prefer it to be the way we like it. But the danger of that is selfishness is the birthplace of all sin. Selfishness is the birthplace of all sin. All sin can come back to the idea of being selfish, wanting it my way, wanting my, my way to be the way above everybody else's way. And he says, look, you've got to be careful. He says, you cannot be about your own selfishness and your own vainness. Why? Well, go with me to James chapter 1. We're going to look at a handful of things today, and if you, can, if you, if you get there, that's, that's good, and if not, you're not going to miss out. He says, James chapter 1 and verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Another word you can put there is selfishness. 
See, we can, live our, we can live our life our way and be selfish. But he goes on and says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I can live a selfish life about my own desires, but what that gives me is death. It gives me separation from God, both today and eternally. But he says, I've come. Jesus said, knowing me means that you have life, and you have it to the most abundant nature that you can. And the reason I think that is is because we have purpose in Jesus. We have purpose in Jesus. He gives us a reason to exist. And I think for many of us, and if we really just, just are honest with it, when we have purpose, we're happier, don't we? aren't we? When we're just kind of, I mean, we, we rewind to a year ago, okay? Pajama Easter Church. Very little purpose at that moment, right? I mean, schools have shut down. Jobs have shut down. You know, you, you, you're not supposed to go out to restaurants. Restaurants have shut down. Movie theaters shut down. I mean, it, it's all gone. It's done. We, we, there, there, there's nothing for us to do. We felt like we had no purpose. And a lot of people struggled. We weren't living life to the abundance. But you know, through all of that, there were three different times that we got together and we fixed some meals and we had these drive-through meals with each other. You remember those? Those are some great moments because what was so great about them was in the middle of a pandemic when nothing's going on, for those three moments, we felt like we still had a purpose. Even if it was, if you were here working, you had a purpose. If you were just picking up food, you had a purpose. You had an interaction. You had a connection. You see, that's what the church gives us. That's what Jesus gives us. He gives us purpose in our life. And most of the time, that purpose is going to come, that fulfillment is going to come by serving others, by giving of something. You know, that's what the Christian faith is really about, is about giving. It's about giving of our time. It's about giving of our love. It's about giving of our encouragement to other people. It's about giving. And you see, if we all live a life of giving, if everybody in this church lives a life of giving, and you've heard me say this, this is nothing new from my mouth to you, is if we're all worried about taking care of each other and that is our purpose, then everyone gets taken care of. No one falls through the cracks. My life is fulfilled. I'm encouraged, I'm loved. I'm accepted, and so our life has more purpose and more meaning. Jesus says, I've come so that you can have life and have it to the full or to the abundance. Let's keep going. The next thing that we have by knowing Jesus is love. John 15 and verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his own life for one's friend. You know, I think my favorite illustration of love within the scriptures comes from Luke chapter 15. And, I, and I've never made it a secret. That's my favorite chapter in all, of, in, in all of scripture. I love the teaching that's going on there from, from, chapter, uh, from verse 1 to the end. But in that story, in that story, we, we call it the prodigal son. Uh, uh, someone grabbed me after, after church, uh, after, early, after early worship, and, and he said when he was in Germany, the Germans called this the parable of the loving father. And, and I think that maybe that, that's an even greater, uh, greater title for that particular story. But you've got this son who left. He was going out to live life on his own. He was being selfish. 
And despite his selfishness, when he was out there all alone with no one to have a relationship with, what did he remember? He remembered the love of his father. He says, you know what I can do? I can go home. I can go home. Now, in his mind, that looked a little bit different. He was going to go home and be a servant, but he knew that his dad loved him enough that he would take him back, even if it was a little bit different relationship than it had been before he left. And then I love this image of, of this son who had been working in a pig pen, who was nasty, who stunk, who was just, he probably had, you know, this pig mess crusted up on him and as he's walking home and, and he's not kept and he's not had a bath. And, and, and what's the first thing his dad does? His dad runs down the driveway after him and gives him a big what? Gives him a big hug. Despite how awful he looked and smelled, he showed him affection. And that's the love we get from our father. That's the love we get from Jesus. Because you see, we all walked in here this morning with something in our life that, how do you say it down south? Something that stunk. We all walk in with it, don't we? We all walk in with that struggle. We all walk in with that sin that we just can't seem to get over. We all walk in with that temptation that's just tugging at us, trying to keep us from walking in the doors. And Jesus says, come on in because I love you. I laid down my life for you and I'm here to wrap my arms around you. You see, that's supposed to translate in, into our relationships as well. Supposed to, to translate into our relationships as well. One of the things, okay, so I said it earlier in the announcements, how appreciative I have been that the, the, the mask stuff has not turned into an issue here. Okay, it's not turned into an issue here. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that is. Because this is not a selfish church. Okay, because you see, if you're selfish, you start to worry about yourself, right? You're not a selfish church, and you're a loving church. If someone were to ask me, hey, define Ninth Avenue in just a couple of words, selfless and loving. And you have shown me that in your actions over and over and over again. And I will, I will say it every time that this is the most loving church family that I've ever been a part of. And you see, when we love each other, we don't have time to gripe. When we love each other, we don't have time to complain. When we love each other, we're moving in a positive direction. And no matter what comes our way, we're going to be able to overcome it because we're brought together by our love. That, that love brings unity to, to us. And we're able to face those things and overcome those things and just keep moving on. But that doesn't happen unless you know Jesus. So do you know Jesus this morning? Let's keep on. The last thing I want to give you this morning, and then the lesson will be yours, is knowing Jesus means salvation. Knowing Jesus means salvation. And this is something that I wrote down early in the week, and this has been mulling in my mind all week, and I've been trying to figure out the answer to this question. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Most of the time when we talk about salvation, a lot of our discussion is around how are we saved, right? How do we become a Christian? And, 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 and there's, there's a lot of different people that have a lot of different answers to that. But what I want you to think about this morning is what does it mean? Okay, I'm saved. What, what does that mean for me in my life? Because sometimes I think we get so, we get so focused on the how that we forget to teach but what does it mean? Why do I need to do this? What's the benefit 
of this. And, and so, so let me give you just a few things that I've thought of. That, that being saved, first and foremost, means we've been rescued from something. Would you agree with that? To be saved from something means I've been rescued. That I was in a situation where I was in danger and someone came and they rescued me from that. So what am I being rescued from? Well, I'm being rescued from my own desires first. I'm being rescued from my own desires. So the James chapter 1 passage that we've already read and looked at talks about how my own selfishness, my own evil desires, it's going to lead me to what? It's going to lead me to death. It's going to lead me to a separation from God, both on this side of eternity and on the other side of eternity. And I don't want that. And you see, what salvation does is it saves me from my own desires. And it begins through the Spirit of God to implant His desires within me. Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about what it means to walk in the Spirit. He talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And and, and we've heard those love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But if you back up, he starts talking about other desires, other issues, other, other ways to think. And he says, if you're walking in the Spirit, those desires are going to be replaced by the desires of the Spirit. So salvation gives me that Spirit of God that helps me overcome my own sinfulness, my own desires, my own selfishness, and begins to replace those things with the Spirit's wants and the Spirit's thoughts and ideas. The next thing I think about is we're rescued from being part of a world that is becoming more sinful. We're being rescued from a world that is becoming more sinful. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it said that they were adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Adding to what? Adding to the church. Adding to the family. You see, this is our safety net. We've all got to go be part of the world. What I mean by that is we've all got to live in it. We've all got to go do our jobs. We've got to go to the grocery store. We've got now, we're, we're very fortunate. We're very lucky in, 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 in our town, in our community. We still, I, I feel like this is still a Christian-based community. Wouldn't you agree that, they're, that, that, that the community itself has very Christian morals and, and most families are tied into a church somewhere, somehow. They still live by kind of that code and ethics. But you get outside of our bubble and it can change very quickly. And what the church is, is our salvation from the world. It's, it's, it's our safe place. It's where I know that I can come and be with people of like-mindedness. It's where I know I can come and be encouraged and be lifted up. And, and I, can, I can be loved. I can be accepted. It's my escape. It's where I belong. But then the last thing is this. Is that I'm saved from being eternally separated from God. I'm saved, I'm rescued from being eternally separated from God. That's what my salvation means. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this story. He paints this picture of of judgment. And he paints this picture of, of all the nations surrounding him. And basically, he draws a line down the middle and says, hey, I'm going to separate you like the sheep and the goats, and, and to, the, to, the, to the righteous ones, he said, hey, I had all these needs, and you met them. This is the Matthew remix here. You met those needs, and because of that, I'm welcoming you, in, I'm welcoming you into eternity with me. And they go, hey, when did we know? Well, we didn't even know we did this. He goes, hey, the least, what you did for the least of these people, you did for me. 
And then he's going to look at the others and he says, look, you didn't do these things. And so away from me into the fires of hell. It's a very somber picture. But you see, if I know Jesus, if I have this relationship with him, if I have a salvation relationship with him, I don't have to worry about that moment. I don't have to be scared of what's going to happen when I die. I can have the assurance that Jesus is there on my behalf and he's saying, hey, you did what you needed to do. You lived the life you needed to live. Come on in. Let's celebrate for all eternity. You're not going to be separated from your Savior and from your God. So, do you know Jesus? That's the question this morning. Do you live the life that he wants you to live? Do you have it to the abundance? Do you have the love in your life that comes from this relationship? And do you have salvation? Do you know Jesus? That's the most important question that you can ask yourself today. And then what do you do with that knowledge is equally as important. Maybe you've never known him, not in the way that you should. You've never had your sins washed away in baptism. You've never made that commitment to him. You've never said, I love you and I'm going to follow you. You, you. you know of him, but you don't know him. If that's the answer to your question this morning, then change that. Get to know Jesus in a more personal way. The other side of that is sometimes we can know and forget. And maybe you need to renew that relationship this morning and recommit yourself to him. And I pray that as you think about this question, that it will change the direction of your life. Let's go to God in prayer as we close our time together. God, I thank you so much for the love that you give us. I thank you for the life that we get to live in you and through you. God, I'm so grateful for the salvation that comes from being called your children. Help us to never take that for granted. Help us to really just take time and think, do we really know you? Do we have the relationship with you that we need to have? Is there the depth and the intimacy and just the realness and personalness to that relationship that, that you want there to be? Help us to not have this superficial relationship, God, this churchy relationship, God. Help us to have an authentic relationship with you. Help us to know you in that way. We thank you so much for our church family. We thank you for the love that is in this church, for the selflessness. God, and just bless us. Help us to bless others with those blessings that we receive from you. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is beyond the azure If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.